0: going to start this morning. We're going to spend several weeks talking about the Holy Spirit of God. And we're going to talk about power for living. I want to talk to you about power, power to live by. And uh, we're going to look in scriptures. I want you to just listen to what I have to say. Listen to the Bible. There is a power that's available to every believer that's not being used. And one of the strangest scriptures, it's not the one we're going to look at. I just want to quote it to you. The Bible said that Paul was, uh, the apostle Paul was traveling one time, this Acts chapter 19, and it said he found a group of believers. He just happened to run into this group of Christians and he was with them. And then it said, he said to them, do y'all not know about the Holy Spirit? Why would a minister meet a group of Christians, watch them for a little bit and say, y'all never heard of the Holy Spirit? Why do you think he said that to them? something was, something was missing. There was something wasn't right. And then he said, to, and they said to him, no, said, we, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. I don't think it's in there, but I'm sure he said, I can tell. I can tell. But there there is a power available to every believer. And I want you to do more to go, than go to heaven one day. I want heaven to come to you while you're on this earth. And uh, <clears throat> the Bible speaks often about people that are saved. They love God. They're sincere, but they are powerless and life is dumping them upside down and they struggle. Such is the case we're going to read this morning. There was a young man. His name was Timothy. He was a pastor. He pastored a church. He'd been sent there by the bishop. The bishop's name was Paul. Same Paul that wrote so much of the New Testament. There were 27 churches mentioned in the New Testament. Three of them were huge. What we'd call mega churches. He pastored one of them. The name of the church was Ephesus. It was the church at Ephesus. A book in the Bible was written to him about that church. And this was a young man. If you read First and Second Timothy, you'll realize he's getting beat to death. Uh, he's struggling with the peace, fighting with the people. They thought he was too young to be there. It was to the point where he had ulcers. Uh, that's why he was told to take a little wine for your stomach's problems. And life was just more than he could handle. So apparently he'd written to the bishop, which was his father in the faith, Paul, and he requested a transfer to a small country church in North Carolina. I don't, I don't know what he asked for, <laughs> But he asked to get out of this thing and he he just wrote and he said, I I can't handle this. He said, life's too much for me. His father in the faith refused to transfer him. He wrote him a letter back and he said, rather than transfer, you let me tell you what you need to do. And it's in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. 1 Timothy 4, 14. And he said this, 1 Timothy 4, 14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. And he identified the problem right there. He said, the problem is not that life is hard. He said, the problem is there is a gift inside of you, but you don't know how to use it. And you're neglecting what God put inside of you. Turn the page to 2 Timothy chapter one. He wrote him another letter dealing with the same issue. Look at what he said to him in verse six. Same problem. He writes him again. Therefore, I remind you, stir up what? The gift of God that is in you. Somebody tell me what the gift is. It's the Holy Spirit. And he said, you're neglecting the Holy Spirit that's in you. His answer was not to feel sorry for him. It wasn't to make life easier for him. His answer was, you have got to learn to use the Holy Spirit that is in you. Now I want to ask you a question. Is the Holy Spirit a gift? What does the Bible say right there? Can you earn a gift? Do you deserve it? What's the only thing you can do with a gift? Just receive it. You can receive it and enjoy it, or you can do what? You can neglect it. You can push it to the side. Every believer has the spirit of God inside of them. Every person that's a Christian has the spirit of God. What does it say? In you. He's in you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you can't be a child of God. Romans eight fourteen says this. If any man does not have the spirit of God in them, they do not belong to God. The moment you were born again, the spirit of God came into your life. Listen to me. The same spirit that raised Jesus dead body from the grave lives in you he's in there. But can you see from this passage in 1 Timothy and others, that same power can be inside of you and not do you one bit of good. And you can be run over, life's beating you to death, you're weary. Just like this young man, what did the Bible say? And listen, this was not just his, his father in the faith, this was God speaking to him. He said, son, I'm not going to make life easier. I've given you something that could handle life, you don't know how to use it. And I want you to, what did he tell him to do in 2 Timothy? I want you to do what? stir up the gift of, stir it up. All right, the word stir up there, if you look it up, the Greek word is kindle. It's our word, kindle. When Katie and I were first married, we lived in a farmhouse, had no heat, except a wood stove. We'd load it up at night. By daylight, the wood stove would have gone down, almost nothing there. There's no heat coming out of it. I'd get up in the morning, I'd open the door on the wood stove, put tinder wood on it, kindling wood on it, put the draft just right. I wanted to get that fire stirred up and I'd get that thing roaring so she could get out of bed. I'd get it all flamed up there, <laughs> That, that's what that meant. That's to kindle up a fire. It almost died, but you get it blazing again. Same word used. He said, he's in you, but you need to let the Holy Spirit blaze up inside of you. You need him big inside of you so he can serve the purpose within you. And that was what he told this young man. Listen to me. The father's answer for every need in your life is the Holy Spirit. He's given you the gift of the Spirit of God. His answer for every need in your life is the Holy Spirit. The biblical word for it is grace. Grace. Every letter written by Paul, 17 of them, begins like this. Grace to you and peace from God your Father. You know what grace is? There's a definition of grace. It is the power of the Holy Spirit to meet every need of your life. When He gives you grace, He gives you something to be able to do everything. It's the gift of God. Just like salvation is a gift, the Holy Spirit is a gift. Why don't you listen to what the Bible said in Acts chapter 3? Repent and be turned and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift of God to you and me to live our lives. I'm going to teach you something now. And, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to teach you one of the most important things you'll ever learn about kingdom life, about our father. And you got to get what I'm fixing to say or you'll spend your whole life shooting in the wrong direction. Maybe me you know if you shoot in the wrong direction, you'll never hit what you're trying to hit. Okay, that, that wasn't deep right there. <laughs> the Bible said this, teach me your ways. His ways are a little different than our ways. And the great prayer of Moses was, Teach me your ways. Let me teach you one of the ways, the way of God. This is one of the greatest ways you need to know. <clears throat> His goal is not to make your life easier, His goal is to make you stronger. Uh, you got to get what I just said right there. His goal is not to stop the storm, His goal is to make you so powerful that you can sleep through the middle of it. Now, we as Americans, what do we live for? Stop the storm, Doc. When I listen to believers pray, 90% of their prayers are make my life easy. If, if my old lady would just cooperate, if my mother-in-law would move back to Alabama or heaven, either one suit me fine, <laughs> whatever. If them dumb people I work with, if I could just get transferred to where they got some sense, if those idiots on the highway would just drive right. We're, all we try to do, we just want life to get easier. That is not his way. His way is not to make the path smoother. His way is to make me stronger. You understand what I'm saying here? Until you shift your thinking fundamentally, instead of get me out of trouble, until you start saying, saying, get into trouble with me. Until you want the power of God to overcome, instead of wanting life to be so easy, you don't need it, you'll never know His ways. All through the Bible, the scripture teaches this. I'm going to give you one example and see if you don't agree with this. Uh, I could just pick anyone. I'll pick this one. In the old Testament, there was a a group of people that plundered Israel and there were three young men. They were very smart. They were scholars. They were uh, the sharpest young men and they were stolen by a pagan nation. And they were taken to this pagan nation and they were forced to live in this pagan nation and serve in government offices. And these men loved God passionately and they were devoted to God, but they lived in a pagan nation and this pagan king decided one day, I'm going to build an idol, a statue, and everybody is going to worship my statue. And whoever doesn't worship my statue, I'm going to kill you. So, and when you hear the music, he said, I don't know. When you hear the music, you get on your face, you bow down, you worship my statue. And so they played the music, and there were these three young men because they loved God. You don't worship anybody but God. And they said, We're not going to bow. They didn't bow down. They weren't ugly about it. They just wouldn't bow down. So everybody else is bowing. They're standing. And uh, they told the king and so they brought him before the king and he said, I understand you did not bow down to my idol. And they said, nope. <laughs> and he was so angry. He said, I'm gonna give you one more chance to bow down to my idol. You don't bow down to my idol. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna throw you into the furnace that we heat this palace with. I'm gonna kill you. And uh, they answered him and they said, stick it in your ear. <laughs> That's the sort of where I, the Southern elements thing here's what they actually said. I'm sorry. Here's what they actually said. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us and he will. But if he doesn't, we will burn before we will bow. We're not bound down to your idol. Oh, that. Yeah, I know. I know that tickles you. That did not tickle the king. He flew ill on them and he looked, he said, heat the furnace seven times hotter than usual and tie them up and throw them in there. And so they tied them up and these men grabbed them. And they threw him into the fire. And the Bible said the fire was so hot, it killed the men who threw them in. Little side note here. Be careful throwing folks in the fire. You liable to be the one who gets burned on that. Never mind that though. They threw them in the fire. They did not burn. The king's standing. I don't know where he's standing. But he looks in and he's, he's looking and he said to his helper, he said, come here a minute. Did we not throw three men into the fire? And he said, yes, sir, Jack, the three. He said, why are there four in there? He said, there are four men walking around in there. And he said, one of them appears to be like the son of God. And he was stunned. You, I mean, the guys that threw them in got killed instantly. Why are they walking around in it? And so he, he has a, what we call an attitudinal change because <laughs> his fire's not working. And he asked, would y'all, would y'all come out here? I need to talk to y'all about something. So that the some Bible said they climbed out. Three of them climbed out. And the Bible said the satraps went over and examined them. Their clothes were not burned. They weren't singed. Then the Bible said they didn't even smell like smoke. What's he, what is, what is he saying here? What's he saying here? here's what, here's what I want you to see. Could not the God who created heaven and earth have made their life easier and kept them from being thrown in that fire? Why did he let that happen to them? Learn his ways. His goal is not to make your life easy. It is to be with you in the mess so you can strut in it. Do you understand what I'm saying here? You, this is a fundamental truth of God that you have to learn. He's not all about making life easy. That's called heaven. He's about filling you with his Holy Spirit so that you can go through the storm and come out. What does it mean not smelling like smoke? This garbage around me is having no effect on me whatsoever. All right, now I'm going to ask you a question. Those three boys that did that, you think that's because they were tough? How tough do you have to be to stand that kind of fire? Do you think it was because of the presence of God with them in that fire? Now you're getting it. It's it's not His thing to make it easy. It's, It's His thing to give you His presence. The Holy Spirit of God is the presence of God that gives you grace in the midst of a mess. You need to be more than saved. You need to have the presence of God in your life. You need to have the spirit of God with you. And that this, this is just the fundamental. This is just the way he is. This is how he works. Alrighty. There is a great. Mystery. It's called, you know what a mystery? You ever seen the word mystery in the Bible? It's used many times. It talks about the mystery. It simply means the hidden secret of God. And there's a great mystery mentioned in the book of Colossians. I'll just quote it to you. It said this To his people, he willed to make known the mystery of this inheritance, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's a secret to life. Listen to me. The secret to life is not for me to try harder. The secret to life is not for me to be a better person. The secret to life is Christ inside of me. Which is the hope of a glorious life. If you see glory in life, it's not because I'm tough, it's because He's great. It's because He's living on the inside. The secret to life is the Holy Spirit on the inside of believers. That's the whole secret to life right there. Alright, and we're going to talk about this. Let me tell you what religion taught me as a young man. Religion taught me This <clears throat> Do the best you can. Do the best you can. Nobody expects perfection. We're all struggling, but you do the best you can. That is not biblical. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's not much I can do anyway. He's different. All right, we're going to talk about this, but before uh, I need to answer a question you always get when you talk about the precious Holy Spirit, and I'm going to deal with it pretty good because I want to settle it once and for all. Here's the question. Will the Holy Spirit make me weird? People, you see, people talk about them Holy Spirit people. Well, so, you know, my aunt or some dude I worked with. The Holy Spirit doesn't make people weird. You say, but these weirdos that talk about the Holy Spirit, look up here. They were weird before they met him. They'll be weird after they leave Him. They'll be weird in heaven. They're, they're not, He didn't give them the weirdness. They're just weird. I don't know what else to tell you. He didn't make people weird. And this is a struggle that we struggle with. <clears throat> Concerning does the Holy Spirit make people weirdos? Let me ask you a question Was Jesus weird? Jesus was wonderful guess why Jesus is wonderful? what did he say? The spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's empowered me to live like this. Did the Holy Spirit make Jesus weird? He made Jesus wonderful. I don't want you to look in the Bible. I'm going to show you what he will do to you. It's in Galatians chapter five, Galatians chapter five. If you'll turn back a little bit, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not what gets you into heaven. That's bowing your knee at the cross of Jesus and saying, I am a sinner and I need a savior and I believe that man loves me. That'll get you into heaven. The Holy Spirit's what gets heaven into you on this earth. And the scripture teaches you and I that he works in our lives and he has a distinct purpose. And um, there is no, this is the defining passage in scripture about what will happen to you if you let the spirit of God flow in your life. This is what he does. And listen to me. This is always the standard. So you can always go back to this passage right here. And the Bible is very clear. The scripture reads this in Galatians five, verse 22, the fruit of the spirit is, let's just stop right there. What does it mean? The fruit of the spirit. Can I say it like this? What you will see on the outside, if the spirit of God's working on the inside, can I say it like that? Is that accurate? Right, this is the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to ask you a question. I want you to look at that passage. Does it say the fruit of Brian or Bubba or Joe? You can't do this. Only the Holy Spirit can do this. This is the what you'll see on the outside if the Spirit of God's on the inside. Can I say it like this? Here's what you'll look like if he's working on the inside. Here's what he'll make you like. And then he lists. Some people say there are nine fruits or attributes. That's really not true. It's not fruits. Look at it. It's fruit. Singular. Uh, The Bible said this, the fruit of the spirit really is the first one. The other eight things just come out of the first one. Tell me what's the first thing that happens to a person when the Holy Spirit of God's allowed to flow in their lives. What is it? The love of God. The Holy Spirit of God came to put the very love that's in the heart of Jesus in your heart. Listen, I know people that are pretty loving people, but it's not the love of God. Jesus spoke of a love that's not his love. He said this, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Hell's angels do that. Well, I think he said tax collectors, pagans, whatever. But if you just love your family and love your friends and love good people, but you can't stand them evil people, that's not the love of Jesus. Everybody's got that. Here's how you know it's the love of God. Your heart is so chained and you're not doing it. You don't have to, you don't have to try to love people. If you use the word try, you don't know the Holy Spirit. You don't try. What does he say? It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not you. The Spirit of God comes inside of your heart and your heart, first thing that happens, your heart begins to come tender toward people. People become so valuable to you and you become so sympathetic toward them. There's a grace in you toward people. You, You look at people and you become very understanding of even the most screwed up of us. When Jesus was being slapped... They'd put a rag at his trial. They'd put a rag over his head, hit him in the face, put off, said, which one of us did it? He absolutely beat, the Bible said he was beat beyond recognition. His visage, his appearance was marred more than any man. And he never retaliated, never spoke unkind. Finally, they nailed him to the cross. So That's the only thing he ever said. Father, forgive them. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. You know what that is? You can't do that. God can. That's the love of God. And the Bible said, the love of God is put into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit don't make you weird. He makes you compassionate. Causes you to love. And listen, you'll, to be honest with you, you'll surprise yourself. You'll you'll just sort of go, when did I get like this? (laughs) It's the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to make an announcement. If the Spirit's in there, there'll be fruit. And, and listen, you can still be normal. You can still eat watermelon. You can still listen to country music. I do. You can, you can still fish, burp. I mean, you don't become some weird freak, you know, slobbering and turning your head sideways and blinking. That's not it. And those of you that do that, I'm sorry. I'm trying to watch you, but the fruit of the spirit is the heart of God. The fruit of the spirit is a tender heart for people. People you used couldn't stand. People that aren't like you. That is the fruit of the Spirit. That's it. And listen to me, the other eight come out of that. When you start loving like Jesus loves, what's the natural reaction? What's the second one? Brings joy into your life. I've never understood why Christianity is so joyless in America. Why people take themselves so serious. I've never understood the emptiness. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is there's pure joy. And the Holy Spirit releases joy in a person's life, and it's not just this goofy late-night talk show laughter. It is a joy that has strength in it. It's by the, the Nehemiah said this: "The joy of the Lord is your strength." It it's just a it just lifts you above the junk of life. It doesn't keep you out of it; it lifts you above it. Listen, wherever God is, there's joy. The Bible said in Psalm 1611 in his presence is fullness of joy. That's just his personality. God's calling card is joy. I'll preach a funeral tomorrow afternoon at the other campus of one of our dearest ladies here. I'll preach a funeral Tuesday, with one of my dearest friends in the world, both of them younger than me. And I've been thinking about him. The moment this body expires and the moment you stand in the presence of the Lord, what's, what's the first thing that hits you? It's not streets of gold. Who cares? It is the joy of God. You're just overwhelmed by this joy that you never knew existed. You can have that on this earth. Not to the measure you can in His presence. But the Holy Spirit just fills your life with joy. I'm going to mention one more. Remember, we could use some peace on this earth. You know what peace is? You can sleep in the storm. It's like there's this shield around you and the stuff just can't get to you. He so said, what are you talking about this shield stuff? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Philippians chapter four, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean that junk doesn't happen. It just means it don't get to you. He said, listen, that is, that is God. That's the Holy Spirit of God in your life. You can go and look at the other six. I, let me just mention one more. I Maybe mean, I think we might could use some kindness in this culture. The Holy Spirit will make you so nice. And then in there, I believe it's number five. He'll make you so nice that instead of being rude and self-centered and touchy and aggravating, you'll be nice. Actually, the word's kindness. And you'll you'll surprise yourself and you'll say, I didn't used to be like this. That's why you need to be filled. This is the touch of God in our lives, this is what he does in our lives. I'm, I'm going to quote a verse to you from 2 Corinthians 3. Listen to this. But we all with unveiled face, beholding the beauty of Christ are being changed into the image of Jesus bit by bit by the Holy Spirit. He came to make me like Jesus. It's taken, it's taken some time. You can amen that it has taken me a while to become like Jesus. I know you can do that. And by the way, He'll make you non-touchy. You can laugh at yourself. Those of you that take yourself so serious, number one, quit taking me serious. You take yourself too serious, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He is divine WD-40. You need to loosen up. All righty. Let me talk to you. We're going to study this for a few weeks. There is a progressive work of the Holy Spirit in every Christian's life. And he'll go as far as you want him to. And when you don't want him to do anymore, he'll stop. And most believers simply don't know how to, but there's a progressive work of the spirit of God. We're going to look at it. There's a picture of it. I want you to see if you can see this. This is one of the greatest pictures in the Bible in the old Testament of God will take you as far as you'll go with him. And and, uh, it's in the old Testament and I'm going to give it to you. We'll just listen to it and then I'm going to show it in the new Testament. They were, God's people were captured. They were captive in a land called Egypt and they were under, a, under the bondage to a taskmaster called Pharaoh. They were his slaves and life was terrible. And God sent a man by the name of Moses to break them loose. He, and he, he crushed their taskmaster and he brought them out of bondage from that cruel master, brought them through the Red Sea. But he brought them out to take them somewhere. He didn't just bring them out so and then get them on the other side and say, good luck. Dear friends, that is a picture of being saved. It's not enough just to be saved. He saved you to take you somewhere. All right, they came out through the Red Sea. They had a little period called the Wilderness Wanderings. They went through the wilderness, went through some tough times. We all go through tough times. But we learn in those tough times. We learn to depend on Him. He said that they might trust me Now I want somebody to take a wild guess. Where was he wanting to take them to? Did somebody say the promised land? All right. He brought them out to take them to the promised land. I'm a little nervous about saying this in this crowd because this is going to mess up your grandma's um, gospel music. The promised land is not heaven. It can't be. The promised land that the Bible speaks of is now, you know, when I was young and we sang, I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? That is not heaven. I mean, I don't know where they got it from. Didn't get it out of the Bible. But the promised land is not heaven. He, he wasn't taking them to heaven then. That was in this life. I'll prove it to you. Uh, when they got in the promised land, did they have to face enemies? Did they have strongholds in the promised land? Did they get crushed a time or two in the promised land? You think you're going to fight enemies in heaven? You think you're going to get whooped in heaven? You have strongholds in heaven. The promised land is not heaven. The promised land is a place where you lay hold of every promise God wants you to lay hold of. You can be saved and not have all the promises. So he brings them out. They're traveling. He's trying to get them all there. It was a 14-day journey. It took them 40 years. Can anybody bear witness that sometimes it takes longer than it should to get where we need to be? All right. Let me tell you what happened. Right before they got the promised land, there were 12 tribes, 12 groups of people. Two and a half went to Moses and said, we're stopping here. We don't want to go to the full promised land. We want to camp right here. Now listen, here's what they had in the wilderness. He fed them. Their clothes didn't grow old and he kept them healthy. Two million people never got, nobody got sick in 40 years. He met their needs, fed them and kept them healthy. That's not bad. Look up here. That still wasn't all the promises. That wasn't the promised land. That was just the kindness of God in the wilderness. And two and a half tribes came to him and said, we're stopping right here. We don't go any further. And here's what the Bible said. We are content to dwell right here. And they fell short of where he wanted to take them. And guess what Moses said? No, you are going to go in whether you like it or not. No, he said, fine. If you want to stop here, you can stop here. But the rest of us are going on to the full promised land. What's that a picture of? you can stop anywhere you want to on the journey with God, but he wants you to get everything he promised you. That is the progressive work of the Holy Spirit in your life. I'll show it to you in John. Turn with me to John chapter three. In John chapter three is where the Bible paints a picture of how the Holy Spirit starts working in your life. And you can tell him, this is as far as I'm going anywhere you want to. All right. The Holy Spirit in the Bible, and we'll see this later, is depicted by pictures. He's depicted as wine because wine, the Bible says, wine makes glad the heart of man. The Holy Spirit brings joy into your life. He's depicted as fire because the fire is power. He's the power of God in our lives. He's depicted as wind because the wind makes things happen. It changes things. He's depicted as water. Because water is what satisfies us, cleanses us, refreshes us. And in this passage, he's talking about water. Jesus said this in John 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, John 3, 5, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh, human is flesh, but what's born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. All right, the Holy Spirit of God is the only one that can make you a Christian. You can't be a child of God unless the Holy Spirit of God comes to you and does something inside of you. It's called the new birth. And Jesus said in this passage to a preacher, a preacher, he said, the preacher wanted to discuss religion. He said, stop talking. You need to be born again. And the preacher was as lost as a ball in high weeds. He said, do you mean I have to go back inside my mama and come out again? Was he clueless or what? Jesus said, no, 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 no. That which is born of the flesh is born. You've been born of a woman. You need to be born of the spirit. Every person has to have a spirit birth. I hear people say, I've always been a Christian. No, you hadn't. You have to have a place in your life where you bowed your knee at the cross and the spirit of God came in and gave you a new birth. The Holy Spirit is the one who saves you. By one spirit, we are all brought into the family of God. And the Holy Spirit of God can give you a new heart, be born again, and you're going to heaven when you fall over. That is something to be thankful for. Amen. But there's more than that with him. Turn the page to John chapter four. Jesus said this, speaking about that same Holy Spirit in John 4, 13, he said to the woman, this is the woman at the well, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water I shall give him will never thirst, but the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He goes a little bit further with the Holy Spirit. What does he say? He said this, the Holy Spirit that birthed you will become a well inside of you, refreshing you, blessing you, uh, uh, giving you life. This is when the Holy Spirit that's inside of you becomes a blessing to you constantly. And He just pours Himself out inside of you and and you enjoy Him and there's strength and there's refreshment. And and He just flows through your life. Now, Jesus said this. I want you to notice something here. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Surely, you know, he was not talking about the H2O in the well. He was talking to this woman about her life, her lifestyle. She was a, she was a, a rock, She was a, she was lost. She was raising hell, sleeping with every man in town. She was just a party girl having a big time. And Jesus didn't fuss at her. He wasn't ugly to her. Listen to what he said to her. You keep drinking this water and you'll never satisfy your heart. You'll always, you'll never find what you're looking for living like this. But what did he say? Do you made me cut to the chase? Cheap, loveless sex will never do for you what the Holy Spirit can. Amen. That's exactly what he said. You keep drinking this water, your heart will never find what it's looking for. You let the Holy Spirit of God flow inside of you and you will find what you're looking for in life. What does it mean? We'll never thirst. You're going to find what you're looking for. Every human heart's looking for something. You know what it is? It is the Holy Spirit of God. It's the presence of God. He who created you is the only one who can satisfy your soul. But this is more than being born again. This is when you learn how to turn the Holy Spirit loose on the inside of you and He becomes what your heart's looking for. And you, listen to this, you start enjoying Him daily. And you you do what? You drink. You drink. You you know, if you're thirsty and you drink, you go, ah, ah. That's good. When I meet with Jesus in the morning, I come out and I go, ah what my heart's looking for. Are you with me? All righty. You can go that far. You can go further. Let's do one more. Turn to John chapter seven. This is the progression of the Holy Spirit working. in. It. Now listen, if you're saved, but you don't want the Holy Spirit working in your heart and blessing you and filling you, that's fine. He'll quit right there. Or you can go this far and quit with him. Just like the children of Israel said, we've got all of God we want. We don't want the promised land. We're happy with having something to eat. John chapter seven, Jesus said this on the last day, verse 37, John 7, 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And it's in the continual sense. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of life giving water. This he spoke concerning the Holy spirit. What did Jesus say? The Holy Spirit, you can be born again by him. He brings you in the family of God. You can reach a place where he satisfies your soul and you enjoy him so much and he blesses you. But we want to go further than that. We want to reach a place where the Holy Spirit flows out of us. Where he flows out of us and blesses other people. And the same spirit that's blessing us becomes a blessing to other people and flows through you. Can you see the progression? We start out, he, he births us into the family of God. Then we learn how to let him bless us on the inside and bring love into our lives and bring joy into our lives and bring peace into our lives. And we're just enjoying the presence of God. And it's just wonderful. But then we want to reach a place where it goes out of us to other people. And you can quit anywhere you want to along that journey. You, you can get just, you can just be born again and that's it. Stop right there. One day a little fella fell out to bed and his mama went in there and she said, Why, why'd you fall out to bed? He said, I guess I stayed close to where I got in. Don't just get saved. Enjoy every promise God has for you. Don't just come out of bondage. Go all the way to promised land. His promise, listen to what the Bible said, believe and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is God Almighty working not only in you, but through you, John chapter seven, and a blessing to other people. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe the Holy Spirit worked through Jesus? I don't want to ask you this. What kind of people do children like to be around? What kind of people do children want to sit on their laps? Did not children flock to Jesus? What kind of people like to be around? Did you ever notice how sinners and wicked people would go without eating just to be near him? You know why? It didn't happen for the first 30 years of his life. For 30 years, till he was 30 years old, nobody knew who he was. All they did was make tables and chairs in a little factory. But he got baptized at 30. And the Bible said the Holy Spirit came upon him. And after that, you could not keep the people away from him. People are drawn to the Holy Spirit of God. When you see somebody that's a weirdo and everybody's trying to get away from them, I don't know what they got, but it's not the Holy Spirit of this Bible. The Holy Spirit of this Bible is a blessing to people and it draws people to them. And even the most wicked sinners love to be around people that are full of Jesus. They know they're not living right, but you know what they also know? I don't know what you got, but that's what I want right there. They're drawn to the love and the joy and the compassion of God inside of people. All righty, that's your choice. He you said, "Brother, Brian, I don't want all that Holy Ghost stuff. That's fine. He loves you. He's not going to force anything on me, on you. But I'm going to tell you something. Gifts need to be received. It's a good force. I'm going to quit by telling you a little bit of quick testimony of my journey. Right, I got saved. I'm just a young man. I was, I was, you know, I was bad. I was bad. I was bad. I kept drinking, but I couldn't get satisfied." Me and Mick Jagger couldn't get no satisfaction, so we kept drinking. <laughs> and I got saved. And uh, I went into a group of a religious organization, a denomination, a group that th- they had to rec- they had to acknowledge the Holy Spirit because he's in the Bible, but they didn't want you to, they, didn't, they rejected his, I don't know how to say this. They just, they denied his present ministry. They didn't want him, they didn't want to talk about him. And, and they told you to stay away from him, Holy Ghost people. And what they taught you was this. Here's the Bible. Here's the rules. Now you got to try to live this stuff hard. You got to try hard. You got to do the best you can. And basically it was just obey the Bible in your own strength. Well, that's great for people that are real good. What about people like me? I've been saved two weeks. They put me on a church softball team. You talk about malignant stupid. You don't put people like me on. I don't know why I got church softball anyway. It's just... Why would you put me on a softball team and save two weeks? First game, I fly into a cuss and fit. And the preacher took me and said, you you can't cuss in church softball. I said, first you tell me no more cocaine, now I can't cuss. What's the whole deal here, Bubba? But their Christianity was, here's the Bible, here's the rules, try. The word was try. And I tried because I was sincere, but I tried till I died. You can't try enough. And that was their thing was you got to try. It was just self-effort. All right. But I, and I tried and I limped along under condemnation. You know what condemnation is? It's when you're living under that stuff and you can't do it. And you beat yourself to death. I had two problems with what I was being taught there though. Number one, I owned a Bible. And I began to read it. And I began to read in this Bible about the Holy Spirit all through here. And see, they said he died. Well, they didn't say it like that. They just said he's not today what he was in there. You know, it seemed like if somebody died, they'd have put an obituary in here somewhere. It seemed like I could find where he died. The Holy Spirit will not keep you from being a smart aleck once in a while either. I'm sorry. He will tell you when you get a little wide in the turns, though. Well, I started reading the Bible, and you know what I saw in that Bible? There were people as goofed up as me in there. I ran into a guy named Simon who just happened to be the chief apostle. He's a bigger redneck than I am. Cut you, pulled out his knife, cut a man's ear off after three years of discipleship training with Jesus himself. Put a cussing on you, hot-tempered. Came time to stand with Jesus after three years of training. He cussed and swore, said, I don't even know the man. But I'm gonna tell you something, that man loved God. You say he did not? Yes, he did. He was doing the best he could. He just didn't have enough. And he was sincere. Right before he, right before he cursed Jesus, he wept and said, I'll die with you. He would have done it. And the tension got on, but something happened to that man in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit of God came on him and, and listen, he wasn't perfect. I can show you after that where he messed up numerous times. But you know, that was a changed man after the spirit of God was released in his life. And it was not because Simon was tough and trying. It was because God did something. He was saved to start with, but the Holy Spirit made a difference in his life. I read things in, I found in Ephesians chapter five, this is the will of God for you. Listen, if, if it says, this is the will of God for you, this is the will of God for you and me. And then listen to the rest of it. Be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. If there's no more than what I got when I was saved, why'd he say that? Yeah, exactly. Why is that in there for me to constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit? I read about Timothy, the young man who was doing the best he could. He, he wasn't like Peter. Timothy was a good fella, but he's still getting beat to death by life. What was God's answer? It's in there, son. You just don't know how to turn him loose. You need to let the Holy Spirit of God work in your life. And I said, I'm all about that. And then I read other places. I read the primary passage that turned me around was Luke chapter 11, where the Bible said this, I ask everybody that asks, receives everybody that seeks, finds everybody that knocks, it'll be opened if you being evil compared to me will give good things to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask and those were already saved people and now now I'm not a big advocate of a second experience, I'm a big advocate of a every morning experience I'm a big advocate of I need the every hour experience I'm a big advocate of not coming to Jesus and drinking twice, drinking every day of your life all the time. All right, let me tell you the difference. Here's the difference. Well, Let let me say this. Let me tell you one more. Another problem I had with this, don't, don't talk about this stuff, was a few people I ran into. Most Christians I met were just like me. They were doing the best they could. They were sincere, doing the best they could. And when they messed up, they asked forgiveness and struggled harder. But most Christians I know live under some kind of condemnation which means I'm doing the best I can, but it's not great. But I would run into people once in a while and they weren't weird. They weren't even very religious, but there was just something about them. I just watched them and they had a glow about them and they loved like nobody ever loved. There was a love about, I just get around them, I just feel loved. I just feel these people care about me. And I'd, I'd, they, they couldn't, they loved everybody. And there was a quiet joy about them there was just a sweetness about them. It, they, they weren't bothered by things. They screwed up, but they had something I didn't, I'm gonna put it in language you can understand, they had something I didn't have. It was just the presence of God. And it wasn't weird or goofy. They, they just glowed with God. And I thought, that's what we need right there. That's what we need. So I began to look in the Bible. I, you know, I had, and I began to ask around, well, how do you get it? And some said, let me bop you. If I bop you, you'll get it. I thought, whoa. Oh, so I had a neck injury from high school football and I don't, nobody hit me in the head. Makes me nervous. And then others, when they started screaming, you got the whole, oh, 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 oh. I'm done. I'd ask all these people, get all these weird things. And I thought, no wonder nobody likes y'all. So ultimately, guess what I decided to do? Who said, go back to the Bible? Go to front of line, go back to the Bible. I just opened the Bible and just said, come to me. If any man thirsts, you know what thirst means? If you'd like to live this, if you want to love like Jesus loves, come to me. If you want the joy that can carry you through this age, come to me. If you want it, come to me. Just come to me and drink. And drink is in the continual sense. You have to do it a lot. Can I leave you a little secret here? God has made a difference in my life, not because I was saved. I've been saved for years because of the spirit of God. And I'm still growing You don't walk on water till you get to heaven in this thing. But let me tell you the difference. Here's the difference. Used to be if I got grouchy. Oh. You don't. You don't have times where you get a little grouchy. You don't get PO'd. PO stands for put out. You don't get put out. You don't get irritated with people ever. I ain't going on until you say Yes. Of course you do. We all do. Dear ones, if you can't be tempted, why did it say blessed is the man who endures temptation? But from now on, when I say I get a little grouchy once in a while, I feel, here's what I have learned. Keep your mouth shut. I've learned that and I can do that in my own strength. <laughs> if I have to cram a sock in it, I've learned to keep my mouth shut. I get to feeling a little grouchy. Used to be, I would be condemned and I'd say, what kind of Christian are you? that you would feel like that toward people. And see, it's double for me. Guess why? You've been preaching 40 years and you can't do no better than this. Does that sound like the voice of God to you? When I get grouchy now, you know what I, you know what I hear, you know what I feel. Apparently I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Apparently I need to go get something for this. I just need more of Jesus. I need the Spirit of God to be really. And guess what happens? Every single time I just go to the fount where the glory comes out. Get it? And then I just, I just I'm nice. <laughs> Happy. I want you to do this. We're going to spend time with this. I want you to just hear the promise of God that there's more than just being saved. The spirit that birthed you into the kingdom wants to release himself inside your life and give you everything Jesus died to give you. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the will of God. I want you to believe there is a power available that is not you. And I want you to get off your dead religion. Quit beating yourself up because you're not good enough and you can't do it. You weren't supposed to. It's Jesus alone. And then I want you to do what the Bible says right here. He said, well, what's the method? It's a he. It's a him. You just go after him. He has promised to give his spirit to those who seek. And you just talk to him like a dear friend and say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Teach me how to live in your spirit. I want this in my life. I just want to be baptized in him. I want people to just see me glow in the dark on a dark night. And I'm coming to you. And do this. Tell him. He loves this. He loves this. Tell him, I'm staying here till I get it. I don't mean stay in a room. I mean, you keep seeking him till he gives you all you want. Lose it. Start over again. Listen what the Bible says. Walk in the spirit. Let's live in it. Lord Jesus, I just want to stop now and praise you and thank you because of your kindness. Thank you that he who died on the cross to give me eternal life. Your word said that when you got back, you would pour out your spirit and I will send you another helper and he will be with you and he'll be to you what I was. I want to praise you and thank you for your presence. I want to pray for every person in this room. I hadn't preached about being born again today, but they heard the message that you must be born again. You must give your life to Jesus. I pray for every person in this room that they would bow their knee at the cross of Jesus and realize I'm a sinner and I need this great savior. And nobody has ever loved me like the son of God. And they would open their hearts to you and let you come in their lives and just follow you receive you as Savior. But Father, I pray that we'd do more than just get saved. We would say, as this word says, there is more than just being on my way to heaven. I can have heaven in this life by your Spirit. And I trust you for that. Now, Lord Jesus, I've preached the message, but you have to do something I can't do. I can't make people thirsty for you. Only you can do that. And I trust you to do that. I don't care if people have been saved 50 years. I want you to speak to their hearts and say, I am ready to help you. I'll be your strength. I trust you for that in the coming weeks. Jesus be glorified in everything we do. In his precious name I pray. Amen.